0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Stories of Freedom podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And I hope you guys are enjoying your holiday season with your family and your friends and just reflecting back on this past year in 2018. And I know as I was reflecting back on this year, I was just thinking about this podcast and how far it's come since we started in January and where God has taken it. And I just feel so fortunate to have been able to do this with you guys and continue to do this with you next year and you know the support we've gotten has been incredible even though we don't have a huge following just yet the listeners that we do have you guys are amazing and super supportive and just let me know how much that it's blessing you guys and that you're sharing it with friends and family and they're liking it as well so keep it up guys and and the fact that you know even when i started this and i threw out the um the episode at the end of 2017 where I talked about this I didn't know what kind of feedback I was going to get or if anybody would even want to share their story or be a part of it and right away Kayla reached out and said she wanted to be the co-host and be a part of it and share her story and people started coming up to me telling me they thought it was a great idea and they wanted to be a part of it and share their story so thank you guys so much for that I feel so blessed and We've worked out most of the technical issues, although not all of them. In fact, we had one in this episode that you guys are about ready to hear. Uh, We recorded with Kayla's uncle, Robin. He is a pastor in Utah, and we did it over the phone since he's out in Utah. And we made it all the way through without technical issues until the very end when he was done telling a story. And when he was done telling a story, and it was time for me and Kayla to jump in with our questions and comments um, unfortunately, Kayla's microphone stopped working. She was still on the phone. We could see her connected, but her microphone stopped working. So that was unfortunate, um, especially because it was her uncle. So she would have, I'm sure she they would have had some good conversation and whatnot, but it's all right. Me and him talked for a little bit and his story is incredible. I know you guys are going to be blessed by it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've just been so fortunate to, or feel so fortunate to be able to to go through this with you guys this past year and I'm looking forward to next year as we got some good things coming up for you so um and some good stories still lined up for you and and whatnot so thank you guys for this past year and keep sharing and if you want to share your story and you haven't done that yet you can do that in 2019 just reach out to us at stories of freedom at gmail.com and we'll get you on um as soon as we can next year so all right guys well until next week um because we will have another episode next week i promise you guys and you guys are going to like that one i know you are um so look forward to that one um but this week i hope you guys enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it and 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 yeah so all right guys merry christmas and hope you guys have a blessed new year as well All right, guys, welcome back to the Stories of Freedom podcast. We have uh, Kayla here as well. And then Kayla's uncle, Robin, is also on the line with us. How are you doing, Robin? Doing great. Good to be with you guys. (laughs) So, Robin, I know we mentioned that uh, he was going to be on the podcast. Um, I I think last week is when we thought we were going to have him on, but um, we got him on this week, so glad to have you here and on on the podcast. Um, You're out in Salt Lake City. Right? That's yep. correct.
1: Yeah, we're Salt Lake City.
0: And then you're a pastor out there? Yes. Cool. Um, how long it, it, are you are you from that area then or
1: well no, I'm from right in your guys' area. I grew up in uh in the Gardnerville ranchos and uh went to elementary school there, junior high school and high school.
0: And, okay.
1: Um so we've been out here, we planted a church here, uh it's been almost six years now. A little over six years. Wow.
0: Okay. Cool. So um yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I'm I'm down there in the rancho. So go gotcha. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Moved out there about three years ago. So cool. Well, um, thank you for coming on the podcast to share your story. Yeah. And um, I've never talked to you before, so I'm definitely interested <laughs> in, you know, learning more about you and and you know, and your story and, and whatnot. So whenever you're ready, just just go ahead and get started. Okay. I think I'll put
1: it in three different uh, chunks then. The first chunk would be my uh, the years I grew up there in Gardnerville. I lived um, out in the ranchos, and at the time, it was the very tip of the ranchos. The next stop was uh, what we used to call the sand pits.
0: Oh, yeah. It's still called the sand pits.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was as far uh, as you could go as far as housing was concerned. I moved into... um, that area when I was in fifth grade, and um, it was different for me. I hadn't lived in a small town before, and it was hard to get my feet underneath me. And um, yeah, just trying to figure out and be a part of all the different kids in elementary school and you know, going through junior high school and stuff. It was um, very, it was really a small town, uh, at that point. Um, mm-hmm. there was no Uh, stop signs or signals on main street shark just opened and we're going back in the day. And, um, I get back there all the time now because my family's there, but there were uh, so much of the housing and the redevelopment and stuff just wasn't there. And it was great. It was a, 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 really cool, quaint, uh, small town. Although, um, you know, if you didn't grow up there and you moved into the community, um, you could get off on the wrong foot. And I think I did, I you know, fifth and sixth grade going into junior high. school, I was kind of a verbal person. So when I got into those years of junior high school, um, it was just awkward as it is for a lot of junior hires and into high school. Um, The thing that's amazing to me, uh, after all the years looking back, going to a reunion, I thought I was probably the only kid that had the kind of home life that I had. my mo- my mom died when I was um, sixteen, and um, I'm pretty sure it was from a, a drug overdose. And there was a, a alcoholism and just a ton of drugs and alcohol and stuff in my family. Uh, but it didn't at that time. I mean, it just didn't even occur to me that could be happening for anybody else. That
0: wow.
1: uh, I didn't see it in my friends' houses. and Nobody seemed like they were going through that at school. So I had these kind of two different worlds going on. When I would get home from school, um, uh, two sisters, two younger sisters, I would, I'd be, you know, jump in the middle of all that, and uh, it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was like you had two worlds almost. You had your, you know, your normal sort of everybody looked normal world in school, and then you got home and you're hiding that so nobody could see it. And mm-hmm. Years later at a reunion, uh, when I talked to people as adults, I found out gosh, a lot of people were going through all kinds of different things as kids. Um, Yeah. But none of us knew it. You know, nobody ever talked about it and didn't show it. Um, It was at that point in end of junior high school that I met um, uh, Kayla's dad's family. So Rod Moore, his -hmm. brother, Rory, sister Rhonda. Uh, Rory was, you know, they call him best friends. I mean, certainly my best friend. And um, I started to spend a lot of time with his family and also, um, I was sort of living half in his house and half in my house. And uh, I had a lot of guilt because whenever I would stay over at uh, Rod's house, Roy's house, I knew my two sisters were alone at my house. And, um, you know, I knew my mom in the drug addiction and the alcoholism. So it was, just, it was tough. When I turned 16, I'll never forget, I was living at. Uh, at Roy's house and we were all working up at Harris club up at Lake Tahoe and mm. um I got a call from my stepdad and he said my my mom had died and I remember at that point probably knowing I should feel bad but I, I just didn't it was a mm. almost like a relief feeling because I knew that part of the struggle uh would be over you know and uh that was a uh, sophomore year in high school um, I only knew one Christian growing up. And I knew I knew one Mormon, and then I knew a, a, that went to church. And then looking back, I knew one girl that went to a Christian church. Her name was Kathy Biber. And she used to live right down the street from us, good friends with my younger sister. And I knew her and her family, you know, from growing up. And and uh, I, I, I knew they went to church and, um, I had even gone one time to the little neighborhood church that they went to there in the ranchos, and that was it. Um, And Kathy, uh, uh, sort of her, uh, what she was known for in school, really super popular girl. One thing she was known for, she had taken a stance on premarital sex. And in that day, that was not super, but to do it because of church or something to do with God, that was kind of rare. And that's what I knew about Kathy. And that's all I knew really, I didn't know too much. I knew I liked her and I I knew there was something different about her, but but that was it. Uh, And so um, I lived with uh, my friend Rory and his folks uh, through most of the rest of high school. Um, And then when high school came to an end, uh, we all just sort of scattered to the wind. I was 18 and I had decided to uh, um, do some, you know, try to find out if there was some other place I could go or live or something else I could do. Because by the time I was 18 years old, um, just all of the journey, you know, living in two houses and being a part of two families and my mom had died. I didn't process that at all. And probably the the thing that was the most hurtful is that some of the promises I'd made to myself, I couldn't keep. Because after seeing all the drug and the alcohol in my home, I'd always said, I'm never going to do that. I swept up into it and was willing to be swept up into it at the end of high school. And uh, by the time I was out of high school, I had a pretty serious drug habit. And Mm -hmm. um, I just thought, man, I got to try to get away from all this. And, um, so what I did is I bounced and I, I caught, uh, I caught a ride with some people that were heading up to Alaska and I thought, man, I'm, you know, (laughs) ever the extremist. I mean, okay, I'm going to get away. I'm like really going to get away. (laughs) So I I went up there not knowing anybody and I drove, uh, these guys were driving up there and I just caught a ride and, and, um, the amazing part was, is one of the guys that was a part of this crew that went up there had been a Christian and had fallen away from the Lord. And I caught him at the time that he was falling away. Mm. And I remember even at that time, um, you know, when you like, so I had had, most of my friends were, uh, you know, regular Joe's athletes, just kind of your normal class of people that ran around Gardnerville Minden. not you know Hoity toity or anything like that, just kind of re- I could say tons of names, and you guys would know them. I mean there are people some that still live in Gardnerville and mm-hmm. and then uh, there was this other group though that were you know the stoners in those days they called them or they were the marginal you know sort of over the margins and when you use drugs you you end up being with people that use drugs because they have the drugs mm-hmm. so I, that's what I mean by like two worlds, like I had my Rory world, you know block the president you know, <laughs> you know I mean, just like you know I had that world and and I was always a part of that I mean that I liked athletics and I played sports and stuff too, and then I had gradually though, as, as I got more involved in drugs, I had the other group, and I just sort of straddled both, and when I was um. So, you know, you see a lot of uh, different people that are involved in different types of things. And uh, I had already seen people that were using a lot of drugs. And uh, some of my other friends had not at that point. And uh, when I went with him up to Alaska, this group, this one guy that had fallen away from the Lord, I saw I, there was something I could just tell. It was like, wow, I'd never been around anybody that felt that unsettled. It didn't matter how much we drank or what drugs we used or what happened. I just noticed it. I remember, and I was just young. You know, I was a kid. I was 18, but I just noticed like, wow, this this cat, he just cannot, he's just never at peace. You know, mm-hmm. he's just never okay. You know, and I just, it was like, I knew I could realize that. I didn't know what it meant or why. I just couldn't figure it out. And it's not like I really cared that much, but I remember, well, fast forward, uh, spend some time in Alaska, drug addiction gets worse. I come back down to Nevada. I enrolled in the University of Nevada, Reno. I flamed out so quick. I had no study habits. My drug habit at that point was really excessive. I had known somebody, uh, the Graham family, Patty Graham, who was a year ahead of me in school. She pulled some strings with the uh, one of the uh, advisors there, and I got into the school. But I couldn't cut it. I flushed out so quickly at that point. I really was a mess. um I was living with uh Steve Chappelle, who um is the g m there at the new casino down right as you're coming into Minden. What's that called Carson Valley inn?
0: oh yeah, uh, yeah. Carson, yeah. Right?
1: yep yeah Carson Valley inn, yeah, yeah, Steve's down there, so anyways, me and Steve were living together, going to school. He did great, he went on and did great, and I flamed out so fast you know? <laughs> and uh. I decided at that point I'd go back to Alaska and I thought, I'm going to go back up there and live up there. And you know, that's what I'm gonna do. So this guy, his name was Chuck Layton. When he went to Alaska and we went separate ways, he gave his life back to the Lord up there Wow. and started walking with God again, became Christian. When he found out that I was going back to Alaska, he, found he made some phone calls. Somehow he, he knew, he, he got home. He said, well, you're going back to Alaska. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, you have to, he was living in Seattle. He goes, you're going to have to stop in Seattle to to come through. Why don't you stay a couple of days? Well, um, some friends of mine had told me that he'd become a Christian. And I was like, huh, that guy, he was, I remember that guy. He never could settle down. And he said, I'm going to come to the airport and get you. And I told him, I said, no, I don't want you to come to the airport because people had told me he was kind of pushy about pushing his Christianity onto people. And, um, So I said, uh, no, don't don't do that. I said, I've already heard you're really pushy with your religion, I don't want any part of it. But here's the honest truth. In my heart, I was like, I have a lot of questions. Ever since I was a kid, I would pray. And my specific prayers were, usually had to do with help me, you know, protect me. And more than one time, I remember a couple of days later, even in elementary school, even in fifth and sixth grade, especially sixth grade was a really tough year for my family. I remember being at school, sitting in my desk and it dawning on me that God had answered my prayer, that the night before was so chaotic, the the alcohol and the drug use was so severe in our family. And that it was like, I all of a sudden realized, whoa, I I made it through it, you know, and I remember praying, you know, and so, I had a orientation towards God. And I think if someone would have pushed me, I probably would have said it was towards Jesus. Although I thought Jesus was someone out of the uh, Shakespearean era. Because oh. we didn't have any, I didn't know any Christians. I, and I hadn't been to church and I saw a Bible one time. And it was, it was the King James. So I, oh. didn't <laughs> know, yeah, I didn't know anything about Jesus or yeah. where he came from or anything. But I, I saw the Bible, I opened it up. I thought, oh, he's, he's one of the, he's English. He can't.
0: <laughs> All the these and the thighs and thou. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's when I, I mean, so I always tell people, I say, hey, you don't have to be that clear because I was praying to Jesus thinking he was a Shakespearean actor guy <laughs> or something, you know, I had no idea. You know, I'd seen the wow. pictures, of course, the blue-eyed Jesus and stuff, but I had no concept. So, anyways, uh, in my heart, I'm like, gosh, please, you know, I I want God to help me. I I wish I could somehow, but I mean, I've got a major drug problem at this time. Made a lot of people mad at that point. Um, Rory and his family was still hanging in there with me, but uh, Dave Sheets, who was the vice principal at Douglas High School, he was still hanging in there with me, but there was, I had just, you know, drugs will take you so much further than you can never imagine you would ever go. Mm. And uh it certainly did in my life. And so um Chuck shows up at the airport on the day that I get there and he finds me. He comes down to where I'm getting my backpack off in those days that you know come out and you know, you're waiting for it to go around in a circle <laughs> and he grabbed it and starts walking. And I said, Where you, wait, what, what are you doing? Bring that back here. You know, and he looked at me. He goes, you're coming with me. And literally grabbed my stuff and just started walking to his car. And in my heart, even though every word I was swearing and saying. In my heart, I remember thinking, um. I am so glad. Wow. You know, you know, I think I could tell, you know, that somehow, I don't even know how even to this day, but I think I could tell somehow, it was like sort of my chance. And so I remember following him out to his car. And, balling him out and you don't have any right to take my stuff And he was just <laughs> laughing you know because I was skinny uh, a mess long hair I just I didn't own anything everything I had was in that backpack and I was just like you don't tell me what to do and I can take care of myself and he, I remember him just shaking his head and looking at me going get in the car you know <laughs> just just almost like you know don't even try it you're you're such a freaking I was I was way worse than when I'd seen him a year before. And um, the next day he told me, he goes, hey, we're gonna go out and do something today. He goes, I have to stop by the church and go to a small little group. We're having a meeting. They they were um, gonna pass out some pamphlets um, at malls and stuff like that. So they were doing a kind of an orientation. And he brought me to it. And he goes, we have to just stop in there. It's not gonna take long. So this guy's leading this small meeting, it's only about uh, maybe seven or eight people. And he's basically telling them what to do if they get an opportunity to share with someone who Jesus is and how you can become Christian. And I'm listening to this guy talk and he's really orienting it towards heaven and hell kind of. Like this is your chance to go to heaven don't have to go to hell type thing. And uh, I was listening to him And none of it, I mean, he could have said anything there was to say, I just knew that what he was saying was. If you want this, you can have it. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I leaned back in my chair where nobody could kind of see me because they were just like a little bit in front of me and I closed my eyes and I remember saying, I remember saying the word Lord Lord. I'm going to try this and if it's real, then I'm going to know right away. I'm gonna try it for two weeks and if it's not real, then I'm gonna to have to do I don't know what, but obviously this isn't it. Cause I, I think my whole life I had thought if I could ever get going with God, that, that was the way to go. I just didn't ever do it and I didn't, you know, I just, so it was always like that one door out there. If I ever got to, I had always believed if I ever get to the door and go through it, that's the door. And there I was, man, and I was like, gosh, you know, here I am, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm gonna do it. But if I find out it's not, I'm not gonna do it. You know, it, it was almost like I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try it for two weeks. I, it was like, that was my prayer myth, it wasn't much. And um, when I opened my eyes back up, I honestly thought that everybody in the room would be like froze like in a movie. And I would open my eyes and it would just be like God there saying finally you know you did it you know i really did <laughs> i mean i thought for sure like when i opened my eyes everybody would be like in mid-sentence you know and nothing i mean everybody <laughs> <just kept talking. laughs> nothing happened. except for i remember thinking to myself what i feel something and it was it was uh it was all the fear was just gone
0: wow and, yeah you know, it was
1: yeah, it was amazing it was you know, he couldn't deny it. You're just like, well, and so he, we're driving back in the van and I was trying to figure out what had happened to me. So I was asking him a couple questions, I was trying to make it sound like these people, they were, so Well, if you guys do go witness to somebody and let's say somebody does it, do you think, like, what if they felt like, would they look different? I that's this guy, about, you know, <laughs> you know, and he looks over at me and he goes, what did you do? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, what, what did you, did you receive the Lord? And I was like, no. <laughs> you did. I could see it. I could see it in your face. And I was like, well, I, I maybe. You know? <laughs> anyway, so that's the first part. That's when I became Christian. And I'm in Seattle. I don't know anybody. I'm with a backpack. And uh, a dear friend, and my friend all my life, his name was Larry Abbott. He came to me and he said, hey, we'd love for you to stay uh, in the house that we have here. We're renting. You're welcome. Uh, I called my a guy that I was supposed to go to work with in Alaska, he goes, what's up? You're supposed to be here yesterday. I said, I know, I know, there's a lot of stuff going on here, man. And I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll catch the plane tomorrow. So uh, hung up the phone, tomorrow came, and I just didn't leave. Wow. Um, I had a backpack full of uh, paraphernalia and uh, uh, weed, and uh, I I told the guys with my friends, we can't, like, be a pot smoking Christian, you know, so <laughs> I said Well that's gonna be a problem because I can't go three hours without it. And he goes he goes well. So this is honestly sure. they took all the stuff, they put it they had a fireplace there. They got it all together and they put it in the fireplace and they um they laid hands on me actually and they prayed for me and they torched it all. Wow. And I'm telling you, I had been addicted for a long time. This is just very fortunate. I've seen many people not get this, but I was instantly healed wow. I never ever 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 had an addiction again uh, to any of those drugs it was just gone right wow. then and I started with those guys you know and and uh, that they became my uh, mentors um, they bought me my first Bible um, when church was open I was there um, I went through with every new christian does you know i couldn't figure anything out i couldn't figure out why people were raising their hands i remember, <laughs> I remember seeing people in church raise their hands and i was like well that's one thing i'm never doing i mean I, i'm all i'm down for all of this but that and that's never happened <laughs> and then i remember the first time i was in church singing and you know, i was just like wow i want to like is this happening i want to raise my hands and i was like don't do it you know? <laughs> Then I like, like, you know, the 1 thing that's been a constant in my walk is. When I get to that, that line. I've just, I've just always decided. It's always been better for me to jump every time. I've been on many, 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 many of those now, but it's always been better like that. Very 1st time. You know, when he took my backpack, the very 1st time when I leaned back in my chair. um, 1st time they prayed for me. took all my drugs. It was like, there was like this moment of of indecision, like, you know, do I stay or do I go? And it was just, it became kind of a pattern for me to just jump, to just do it. And every time, you know, like whatever it's been, you know, it's it's always on the other side. I've always been so glad that I did. And um, and I stayed there for a long, long time. That church was about a hundred and a hundred people. And when it got up, it, you know, at that point, this was the early 80s, uh, we started to open our doors to people like me that could feel comfortable, and it just blew up. It was a 1,000 or 1,500 in a couple, two, three um. years, and then they came to me, uh, the leadership of the church, and said, hey, we need, we need someone to watch, uh, come in and be a part of our leadership team and, and um, handle our children's ministry and this and that, and would you be willing to do it? Same thing. You know, it was like, a, it was like a jump or don't jump. And I did, and uh, I was just young, you know, and um, I ended up in that uh, setting, that church just kept growing and growing. And, and uh, from that standpoint, you know, I never really worked until I came to Salt Lake City where it uh, was, was necessary here to work two jobs when you launch a church. But I always, after that, made my living, raised my family, I've always been a, a paid minister, you know, it's crazy. And yeah. I just kept, you know, one thing led to another. I went to school and, and, uh, my walk ended up being, uh, from the time I was about 25, I'm 58. Now it ended up being, uh, being a pastor, you know, a lot of my Christian growth was also in the context of, of being in ministry you know, what comes with that. And, you know, I was super, super fortunate, you know, that I was in a setting where they could where they could pay you. And, and that's what it was, man, I just kept going. And then the last chunk, so that's middle chunk, third chunk was um, uh, doing great. Uh, you know, our church is great, everything's going great. I just thought, you know, God wants me to do something differently. I would always been a number two guy. So my role throughout my ministry has always been, some places call it associates or assistants or whatever you want to call it. But I was always the second guy. So right. I, my job normally was in multiple staff settings was to oversee our staff, be the backup teacher, lots of counseling stuff like that. And then God said, you know, just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different here. And um, I didn't think about this area. I thought about even coming back to Nevada different times, but it just never. We just never looked that way, and I can kind of see why. I think it'd be tough for me to be in Nevada, even now when I go back there. I mean, after all these years later, it's difficult for some of the old feelings to not um, be a little more powerful than I'd like them to be. You know, I had a lot of great. Time. It's still my favorite place in the world. I mean, there's no place in the world to ever rather be than the ranchos. <laughs> I think mean, I just. I know that sounds weird. But for me that, you know, you know, all my, my deepest, deepest, uh, home feelings are there. And yet I get that I couldn't, you know, I, I just, I never could have done it there. You know, I was grateful that I was so far away. Some of the temptations that I went through were tough, but I don't think it would be anything like old friends. I admire people, man. They can get saved in their hometown and walk with the Lord and and make those distinctions. I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. I was a long ways away from my friends and and whatnot. Uh, here in Salt Lake, uh, this is a demanding area. It's a long throw, um, you have to be patient. Uh, most of the people here uh, are religious and church going, uh, but they don't have uh, much uh, going besides you know, church and uh, everywhere I've ever been, if you were just a great place to go to church, and a place where people could go and and hear the story and experience God's grace and forgiveness, the, you know, the, you, you, there was a lot of people who would join in. It would grow. It was really cool. Not the case here. This is a whole different, whole different thing out here. We started with 12 people and we're just barely past 100 in six years. And that's, I would have never dreamed it would have been that difficult, um, but it has been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, from beginning to
0: end. Well, that's, that's an awesome story. You know, I as I was listening to it, and especially when you got down to the parts where you, um, you know, you just talked about right after you um, accepted Christ into your heart, and you didn't really know what was going to happen after that and stuff, but you felt just, you felt free. And I think, you know, all the things that happened after that, it just, it, it, it kind of explains exactly or it goes along right with the title of the the podcast stories of freedom i mean i just felt that freedom from you um as you were sharing your story and what happened once you accepted christ and how he delivered you from the addiction of drugs and and everything like that and just incredible i mean yeah i just i i was getting chills listening to that part i know kayla usually says that she got chills but i was getting chills (laughs) that time no
1: i I think you can uh you can you can be free um, or you can get free yeah and I think at that time, I was getting free from fear uh-huh growing up in our home and I was the front child, so all the chaos and everything that went on in our home, I just chose to go headlong into it and try to deal with it. Uh-huh. You know, fifth and sixth grade, trying to make sense of it all, trying to somehow do something about everything that was happening in our home. And I was just constantly afraid, you know, and always on alert. And I think my problem-solving skills um, were really highly developed quickly and at a young age what i didn't realize though was the amount of fear that had gotten into me yeah i I remember when i was at the university of adderino and steve and i were sharing uh, an apartment and i had just paid my portion of the rent with him and the very first night i remember going to bed and going i know i got a place for the rest of the month and the very next day i'm same bed, same bedroom. I remember laying there scared to death, going, what am I gonna do? And I yeah. was like, wow. And I remember, I remember going, this is serious because like, I got one day of peace out of paying the rent. Yeah. It was startling to me, you know, like, like how prevalent it was. And when I did a, a sort of a check on what's different after I prayed that, or at least talked to God, I could feel it physically gone, uh-huh. in my stomach. I was like, "Whoa!" I had—I couldn't even remember, like where it had come from or how long it had been or anything. I just knew it wasn't there. And that was—that—that's definitely freedom. I mean, I was—I was free from it. Yeah. And, you know, I really haven't had um, too many bouts with it since then.
0: Yeah.
1: Come, but not—not—not not, not too many.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, <laughs> I can relate to that. I mean, my story uh, deals a lot with finances and trying to provide for my family and just letting that fear control me and the different things that I did um, and and how I let it control my life. And it was, it was all based out of fear. And <laughs> when I finally, um, I mean, I was already a Christian, but I didn't realize, like you said, how much fear had gotten a hold of me. So once I finally uh, had an experience, um, and it's, it's part of the story that I, that I shared, uh, one of the, the earlier podcasts, but it was like, once I had this experience and I realized, you know, God kind of got my attention and it was, and I realized I wasn't trusting him and focusing on him as soon as I did, um, just the sense of freedom, because before then, you know, you, like you said, you'd pay a bill, like you'd, um, I'd sit there and I'd work and I'd work and I'd work and ignore my family just so that I could pay the bills for them, you know? And then as soon as I got the bills paid for that month, I'd breathe and then I'd go, oh, wait, I've got next month I've got to pay for. And that's those bills start in about a week, you know,
1: and, mm-hmm. and that anxiety yeah.
0: and that fear would start up again. And I'd go back to, to just this cycle. And as soon as I asked God to, um, you know, take that from me and I, and I trusted him and I felt that freedom, um, he asked me to do something that was crazy and take a job that wasn't paying the bills or just only quit the other stuff I was doing and only keep this one job that wasn't paying the bills and it was immediately I mean like I I went home and I told my wife that we were gonna do this and I said that I'm just gonna stop doing this and this and I'm just gonna focus on this one job that really isn't supporting us Um, and I don't know what's gonna happen but I know God's gonna take care of us and I just knew that and sure enough the week later all of a sudden promotions out of nowhere were coming up at my work. And it was just, it's unbelievable how God will, you know, you put your faith in him and he's just, he's going to take care of you. And he's going to help you, you know, get through those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: when I always think back of uh, Garnerville and Minden now, when I go back there, it's amazing how many church buildings there are now. Mm-hmm. Like as you take that turn around Lampy Park. And when I grew up there, I mean, there just wasn't. I mean again i'm not playing when i said i only knew one christian girl and you wouldn't have kathy was not the type of christian girl then that you would have like she like a youth group girl or something like that i mean her family was christian and she she said she was christian but we didn't even have a context i mean uh kayla's brother you know i mean not brother uh, my brother her dad uh-huh. we didn't even have a you know if someone were to say christian to us I don't even think it would have it had been almost like saying they were an american i mean we wouldn't even even know how to define it you know yeah now there just seems like there's opportunities there in that valley yeah amazing to me it's like i'm like wow how'd that happen because there was i mean honestly for a long long time i don't know you know i'm sure there were people praying and trying but um it just wasn't there yeah you grew up there man your chances of knowing somebody well, Kayla, how about for you? Like when you went through high school, did you know any Christians? Kayla. Oh, she might be gone.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe we can't hear. Her. I see her on the.
1: Okay.
0: I see her on the connection, but. Okay. We may have lost her audio.
1: Okay. But I don't know. But anyways, it's kind of cool what you guys are doing because it's it's neat. You know, when I think back about my hometown
0: and everything, it's kind of so, it's it's
1: it's encouraging me to know that like there's a presence there now yeah where people got a shot
0: you know what's cool too about um all those churches there in in the gardnerville Minden area and even going up to carson city they're all really connected really well connected i mean at our church i know the pastor holds um prayer meetings with uh, all the pastors or most of them in the area Um, i think it's once a week i think it's every thursday and and they come to the church or maybe it's once a month but it's 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 often it's a lot and they're all really connected. It's it's a, it's a good community, I think gardnerville Mendon. There's a lot of uh a lot of people that just, you know, there's a lot of good things happening with that that um the church community there.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. Cool. Well, I appreciate being on, man. Thank you so much. And I don't know if you get a chance to say hey to her, but uh she's a, a awesome light in our family.
0: Yeah. Uh, faith
1: and what she's doing, so very cool
0: she is um yeah it's just it's a shame i see her on here so i know she's still connected she could probably hear us but we can't hear her for some Mm -hmm. reason all right so but um yeah thank you for for coming on i i really appreciate it and um for everybody out there listening um you know one thing i mentioned i wanted to we wanted to start doing questions yeah she just texted me She can hear us but (laughs) we can't hear her okay um yeah if you guys have any questions about anything that was said today either either for us or if something you know in his story and and Robin's story is speaking to you um you can email us at stories at gmail dot com um and I'm sure Robin if somebody has a question for you um you know i'm sure you, uh, you mind if they reach out, you know if, if we no, pass that question on it's- okay
1: yeah, Kayla knows where I'm at. She can forward
0: everything to me. Cool. So, yeah, um, just let us know if, if you need some help with anything or prayer with anything. And, um, you know, we'd like to help you there. So, but um, until uh, until next time then, I guess. Um, right on, dude. All right. All right. See ya. All right. Have a good one.